Friday, September 3rd. I'm your host, Jamie Montrum, and here to talk about the 2021 Washington football team is the certified lover boy to my Donda, Matt Searle. Hey, Matt. Hi, Jamie. Well, this is uh, this is one of those references that I know roughly what it means, but I don't know any of the, like, you know, impact, or I know what it's referencing, but I don't know what it means. So I uh, hope it's a good thing. I was wondering, and there's no there's no relationship between Certified Lover Boy and Donda to the Washington football team, but I was just wondering if you knew what those things are. I know that uh, I know that uh, they're albums. I think yes, recent albums um, yes. that are in competition that people are talking about on Twitter and that people have very strong opinions about, and that I do not care about at all. All right, well, let's move on to the Washington football team. It's been several months since we potted. When was the last pod? I have honestly, uh, probably draft, maybe. Did we pod the draft? Yeah, nice. it's been a while. Uh, my 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 Washington football team uh, content consumption through the preseason has been light. It's been a very light media diet. Um, I have not had any real conversations about the WFT, uh, so I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, and we'll go through some things. We'll, we'll talk about the preseason a bit. Uh, we'll talk about some of the offseason moves and review and then kind of <clears throat> predict the season ahead uh, before week one against the Rams. So first things first, preseason notes, thoughts, takeaways. Uh, where would you like to begin? I mean, I think we really need to make it clear to people just how light your preseason intake has been, which is that every time I'm like, hey, should we pod or, or we check in with each other at all? You ask me about like something incredibly uh, basic about the Washington football team. Like, do they still have the same colors uh, you know, stuff like that. You you, you have been pretty checked out. I, my favorite was, uh, why don't we do the pod after the next preseason game? And you were like, there is no next preseason game. They only play three was. now. They only play three now. <laughs> I was not aware of that. That, that. And that would be my first takeaway, actually, which is that it turns out that killing one preseason game, I mean, it kind of sucks because it gives us this, what amounts to an extra bye week, like just this long week before kickoff. But on the other hand, it gives everybody um, on the team, involved with the team, the media covering the team, uh, actually gets to have Labor Day weekend, which is kind of nice for them, I guess, yeah. if you care about that sort of thing. Well, uh, we on had, the field, we had, we oh, had three. Sorry. We had three preseason games that I barely watched. I didn't need a fourth preseason game that I that I could barely watch. I I have always resented the fourth preseason game because um, when I during the brief period of time when I was you know actually covering the team and, and had to like be at the games and all the games and stuff. The fourth preseason game had a tendency to fall right on or around my birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and happy birthday. it was, it was, thank you. And uh, happy birthday to you as well. And while we're doing it, we also should always say happy birthday to Larry Michael and Clinton Portis uh, and Jason Taylor, all great Redskins birthdays around this time. But I'm only, anyway, I'm only, I'm only recognizing Clinton Portis, but go ahead. Fair enough. Um, but anyway, it, and, and it would it would suck. It would be being like Arizona watching a preseason game until like, you know, three in the morning, East Coast time and flying. It was just miserable. The whole experience was miserable. So I'm happy for those people. They don't have to do that. Anyway, on the field, uh, the big takeaway was probably this Jared Patterson kid, the uh, undrafted free agent rookie running back who wound up making a 53 man roster. Um, he was exciting. He looked for a while like he was going to be the Marcus Mason of the year. And then it turned out that, no, he could actually play and was good enough to make the team um other than that 
I didn't have a lot of takeaways. The offense looked uh, bad. One of the main talking points among um, like Wift Twitter uh, is Wift Twitter. Anyway, um, it was that, uh oh, should we be worried the starting offense hasn't done anything? And then the counterpoint is they had six drives or something, 12 drives, whatever it was, something like that. And like, mm-hmm. it's okay. Uh, it was really. This preseason reminded you just how meaningless preseason is. Um, so that was my takeaway. What, what, what else did I forget to talk about? Well, there was so much Jared Patterson twi- uh, t- uh, chatter that there must not have been a whole lot going on because he's a you know fringe roster guy and doesn't have like the greatest pedigree. There's not, I mean, whatever. I, I, I don't. Doesn't seem like there's a whole lot to be excited about. My takeaway with Jared Patterson is like. If he's Washington's third running back, which he is, right? They have Antonio Gibson yeah. and J.D. McKissick and then Jared Patterson. Mm-hmm. That feels like a really thin backfield group. It actually is, is sort of concerning. Well, they, I mean, it's not like Antonio Gibson has ever demonstrated uh, any injury history or anything. Um, and J.D. McKissick is uh, – anyway, yeah, it's not great. Peyton Barber's still in the practice squad. I mean, I think this is also sort of just this whole current idea that running backs are kind of fungible and you can just find somebody knocking around out there if you need to. Um, I, I, I have enjoyed I, I have enjoyed fantasy draft season, like having a Washington football team player going in the first two rounds with Antonio Gibson. That's been refreshing. I've liked that. Um, and I am now like having a little recall to last year. And I, I looked it up. McKissick had 80 catches last year. Yeah, that's yeah. That's I mean, wild. You want to talk about somebody who's going to wind up winning some fantasy leagues. I think if you are in a PPR league, I think McKissick might be a quietly good late round pick. What's crazy is he had 80 catches, but he only had four catches going into October. So he basically, I mean, you could easily, if you saw just look at his production over the last like three quarters of the season last year. I mean, it was like a hundred catch pace. And, but how many yards did 80 catches for what, like 500 yards or something? It was a 700 something. Yeah. Well, that's not too bad. Uh, hold on. I'll tell you in, in one second. This is a good pod. Yeah, it was actually 589. You're right. Seven and yeah. a half yards a catch. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I like Gibson and McKissick together. I just, you know, Gibson had like 20 carries in college, hurt last year. Um, so anyway, so yeah. Jared Patterson. Fun. Yeah. I think he can still be a preseason Hall of Famer. If you're undrafted, and you like barely make the 53 man and you're getting like a lot of touches uh, all through the preseason. I feel like that's preseason hall of fame status. The only other guy that jumped out at me is like a candidate from this year, but he also made, made the roster was, uh, is it Samus Reyes? The tight yeah. End? See, I, I don't know that he qualified as a preseason hall of famer. He was like a pre pre, he was like an off season hall of famer. Like he, yeah. he was the, the hype about him was there during the preseason. He had, I think two catches, maybe three catches. Um, yeah. He, he looked a little awkward at times. Um, it's the uh, Rivera praised his blocking, but then if you look at like Mark Bullock's, um, you know, video breakdowns online, he seemed much more skeptical of Ray's blocking. He didn't, he didn't generate the same, uh, you know, Marco Mitchell level of hype during the actual mm, preseason yeah. itself. Yeah. That's the good stuff. Would Jared Patterson, would he be the equivalent of like, the the preseason Hall of Fame equivalent like O.J. Simpson, where he does something egregious after the career in question. In this case, he egregiously makes the team, uh, whereas in O.J.'s case, he egregiously egregiously committed double murders. Uh, But you kind of have to keep him in the Hall of Fame anyway, because you're not talking about what he did afterwards. You're talking about what he did during. Is that is that a good analogy? I'm just going to let that comparison sit 
and and not save you from it. <laughs> I appreciate that. I just uh, if anybody wants to extract it, the tweet is Jared Patterson is just like OJ Simpson. After all. Uh, yeah, I just heard raise his name a lot. You know, not that he was necessarily showing out in games. I just felt like he was a guy way down the roster. You know, compared to the the guys who are going to be the true impact players that you really heard a lot a lot about. Uh, another guy that I heard about this this preseason, but not in a good way, was Dustin Hopkins. Yes, bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> help me understand like why we're talking about Dustin Hopkins so much. With Dustin Hopkins, uh, it turns out, uh, might not be very good. Um, he's, he's obviously been very good at kickoffs his career. And if you look at, you know, his average, it's somewhere in the high eighties, mid to high 80%, which it, whatever it is, it's right around like normal for kickers. And he seems to be a likable fella who like the media likes and, and the coaches seem to like him. And the, you know, the, they had that whole special teams unit together forever with, um, uh, you know, Hopkins and Tressway and, and uh, what's his Sunberg. name? Sunberg. Yeah. And so I don't know, it, but, but it's inexplicable why Rivera just refuses to even bring in competition. I didn't realize like hearing people talk about Hopkins during the preseason, it's become clear that some people uh, like Kevin Sheehan type, maybe Al Galdi, I don't remember. It might be both of them. One or both of them apparently has hated him, not hated him, but has like thought he was an inadequate kicker for years. Uh, I, I never remembered that chatter, but um, apparently it's a thing. Uh, and it certainly accentuated or accelerated this off season because he was, or this preseason because he was not, kicking particularly well, which is uh, sort of a warning yeah. sign for a kicker. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know he missed like two or three kicks over the three preseason games. Is that accurate? Like he missed a couple kicks? He missed Maybe several kicks. Games. And one, at least one of them that I, one of the ones that I did happen to be watching was just beyond ugly. The the It was in the third preseason game. Everybody was trying to determine if it had been blocked or not. And it was like, it, to me, it didn't matter if it had been blocked because either it had been kicked so low and poorly that it had been blocked or it had been kicked even lower and more poorly and looked like it had been blocked. So either way, again, not what you want to see from a kicker. I mean, here, here's the thing though, with Hopkins, like I'm a big fan of just sticking with the kicker that you've got, because I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between kickers and Hopkins for his career is basically like a league average kicker just on field goals and extra points on kickoffs. He's like pretty high up there. But, yeah. Like, so, okay. He, like, last year was his worst kicking year of his career. 79%. His average for his career is 84%. The difference between 79 and 84 is like one or two missed kicks over 16 weeks. Yeah. Like, just, I mean, just stick with the guy. Unless he's like so bad or he's got some mental block or something that it's just like going to cost you games. I feel like over the course of the season, like, he's just the same as the next guy, but he's already here. Well, that's that to me is the problem with missed kicks is that they they can it can be the game or not the game. I mean, it can be that simple, um, whereas most other things like, oh, if a running back is screwing up one or two runs a game. Yeah. The yeah. odds are not as good that it's going to be the actual difference in the game. Uh, yeah. The odds are wor whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I don't know. I, just I would be fine. Be, I just want to get on the on the on the carousel of and other kickers. And then when they start off like you know, three for five. It's like, oh, we need to bring in another kicker. Like, just fucking leave the kicker alone. <laughs> That's pretty much my point of view on Dustin Hopkins. I, uh, and I have I have pretty much the opposite point of view, which is we've left him alone for like five or six years, and now it's time to just 
bring in the next guy and leave him alone for five or six years or whatever. Like I, I, yeah. I don't know. Who, who cares? As long as we don't draft, as long as we don't draft one. Um, anything else? Any other preseason thoughts? Uh, I sure hope the offense looks more interesting. I mean, I'm not worried about them not scoring. I'm not worried about any of that in the sense that, like, you know, it takes sometimes you don't get a drive going or whatever. But I just it didn't look interesting. And we keep hearing that um, Scott Turner is going to be this interesting play caller with this interesting offense. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm just, uh, you know, I'm still not totally seeing it. So we'll see. Did anybody from the draft stand out and while you while you think about that i'll just recap for the listener the notable draft picks included uh is it jamin davis or jamin davis i believe it's jamin davis jamin davis linebacker kentucky 19th overall uh sam cosme tackle from texas second rounder ben st juice cornerback minnesota third rounder diami brown unc wide receiver third rounder and i'll stop with this one john bates tight end boise state in the fourth round there are some other guys downstream from that but did anybody flash in the preseason uh well so crucially the first round pick did not flash in the preseason he hasn't Mm -hmm. looked bad but he he didn't pop and it hasn't helped that, you know, Micah Parsons in Dallas at linebacker has looked great. So that of course has annoyed people and generated some conversation. Sam Cosme has been interested because he started out apparently looking real rough and then got markedly better to the point where he's looked pretty good throughout, which is, I feel like, and tell me if I'm wrong here. I feel like we don't see that that much. I feel like it tends to be that like somebody comes into training camp and how they perform in training camp is how they perform in the preseason. And then like, it's kind of where their career goes, at least for the year. I don't remember somebody having this big a shift in narrative in, in this short a time span. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, St. Well, left tackles, tackles very similar to kickers where, you know, public opinion just sways immediately. Interesting point. Yeah. Um, all it takes is one one miss. Uh, mm-hmm. The the cornerback everybody seems to love. I cannot pretend that I like studied him, but the reviews have been good. Everybody likes him, and he's going to be you know one of the top three corners on the team. So that mm-hmm. seems good. Similar for Deami Brown. I he didn't flash for me in the games, but everybody swears that he looks great, um, and we'll be okay if Curtis Samuels can't go. Um, Bates has left me cold. Uh, I haven't heard much different from anybody. Um, and then, but then of the guys you didn't list, uh, you know, Cheeseman, the long snapper, is obviously uh, on the starting roster because he's the only long snapper on the team. Um, there was some talk about if his long snaps were too fast, uh, coming in too hot. Uh, that was mm-hmm. contributing to the kicking problems. Um, but I think, you know, you want a fast, long snapper. I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Like, who knows mm-hmm. anything about this? Uh, and then Shaka Tony, uh, the defensive end from Penn State, who is one of the seventh-round picks, and Dax Milne, uh, the second-to-last pick in the draft, just almost Mr. Irrelevant, the wide receiver, uh, both also made the team. Um, so, uh, that I mean, that I guess that's good. I, I had no idea that Dax Milne made the team. Like, literally no idea. And he's a wide oh, receiver. Yeah. I, yes, he, he is. is. Good. I'm learning things. He is. Um, and, and he's, you know, I don't know. He's, he's in the classic uh, realm of guys who I've only heard compared to other guys who uh, look demographically like him. Um, so I don't know. I, all I know is that he must be a white wide receiver. I, question mark. I have no clue. I, I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing him working out of the slot. Yes. Yes, a lot of that. A lot of maybe it can be a kick returner. Yeah, you, you, you've got the gist of it. 
Um, okay. But it, what's interesting is it feels like a, a class that might have a lot of like solid singles and maybe even a double. Um, but no, nobody, no home runs, nobody flashed as like, there's no Terry McLaurin's at least as of preseason. Although I can't remember, was Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin in preseason? At which point, what point did we realize that he was going to be really good? I, yeah, I feel like that was a slow burn that turned into a, a structure fire over the course of the season. Um, I think that's yeah, correct. I don't, rem- I don't remember the preseason, like, kind of freaking out about Terry McLaurin. No. Well, I, so I remember. So when McLaurin was drafted, it was like, oh, he's a he's a good locker room guy, special teams ace, and he'll be a, a comfort, a security blanket for Dwayne Haskins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do remember in training camp, some people being like, you know, McLaurin kind of looks pretty good, but I don't remember anybody being like, yeah, McLaurin's going to be a, you know, top 10, 20 wide receiver in the NFL or anything like that. I don't know. It's weird. Weird yeah, stuff. Well, I mean, this seemed like a solid, unspectacular, uh, you know, sort of boring draft class when it was put together. And that seems to be the case so far heading into the season. Uh, boring is fine if, you know, you've got some guys who are going to be real producers. Um, what about the off season additions? I mean, obviously Fitzpatrick, but then downstream from that, you've got Curtis Samuel, you got William Jackson, the third Adam Humphreys, a few other dudes. Um, did any of these guys play? <laughs> in the preseason? Uh, so Jackson, I believe played in the first game, but then has been sitting out pretty much since Samuel has done nothing in preseason. And if he doesn't practice on Monday, um, we are, it's going to be time for the full on freak out about, um, Curtis Samuel Humphreys played, uh, and looked pretty much like I remember Adam Humphreys looking, um, which is to say kind of like Dax Milne. Um, and Charles Leno is our, is the starting, starting tackle. Um, and he's so looked the, fine. So who are the tackles? Is it Charles Leno at left tackle and Sam Cosme at right tackle? That I believe is the current plan. Um, although uh, you may you may have heard the phrase even from your distance of uh, positional flax, which is very important to Ron Rivera this year. So uh, they might uh-huh. move people around. Sadiq Charles looms as somebody who allegedly can fill in at like four out of the five offensive line positions. You know, who knows? Um, but yes, that's I think that's the current plan. Zeleno at left, uh, Cosme at right. Sadiq Charles looms. It's a good phrase. I like that. Um, yeah, I. It's like when those additions were made, uh, especially the big three of Fitzpatrick, William Jackson, and Curtis Samuel, I was excited about those. And now I, I don't know. I mean, I'm still excited about Fitzpatrick, but the other two, I, I, I'm not quite sure what to think. If Fitzpatrick didn't have the beard, I feel like everybody would be like 40% less excited for him. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like exactly. the fact that he has some like visual flair, that he's like distinctive, He's got some quirks. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's the classic like DC sports bog, although uh, I'm not saying the DC sports bog has been on the Fitzpatrick beat necessarily, but just, it's got that, that vibe to me where like you just, it's, it's, it's much more exciting to have that kind of player. If he were like, if he looked like Todd Collins, I think he would in fact be Todd Collins, basically. Todd Collins never produced anywhere to the level that Ryan Fitzpatrick has produced. I, I believe you are disparaging the uh, architect of of the great postseason run of two thousand and seven. Well, I mean, mark? I mean, I mean, 
from a quarterback wins perspective, if you zoom in on the last quarter of 2007 when he went 4-0 or whatever it was, then yes. Um, Todd Collins could live up to Fitzpatrick. But Fitzpatrick is thrown for, you know, whatever. Let's see, I'm actually going to look this up. 35,000 yards and 223 touchdowns in the NFL. And Fitzpatrick has been in the league since like 2004 or something. 2005. He has literally played for nine teams. No, but I mean, like the last few years, if you squint and look at Fitzpatrick in Tampa and Miami, you see like a league average, league average plus quarterback. Uh, and I mean, the beard helps, but you know, what also helps is that last year we played Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, and Tyler Heineke at quarterback. I, I do think that if you had rolled you know, circa 2007, Todd Collins in here after that group, he would look good as well. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little harsh on Fitzpatrick. Uh, he's definitely got a little more um, YOLO to him than uh, than Todd Collins did. Todd Collins seemed a little more conservative, at least in my memory. But um, one of my favorite things, by the way, is when you go to Pro Football Reference, a player page, and it, it like shows the players' nicknames. Uh, we all know Fitzpatrick is known as Fitzmagic. But I did not know that he's also known as the Amish Rifle. I did not know that either. I, that strikes me as something that no one, that like one person said once on some blog in Tampa Bay, and uh, and it got picked up or something. I mean, does he have any ties to the Amish people? I, um, not to the best of my knowledge, but he just, has a beard. Just the beard? Is it just that? Yeah. Although it's not a particularly Amish-looking beard. It's not like you know a chin strap or something. He doesn't wear like a hat. I don't know. That's strange. Uh, he, in, in a 2011 L.A. Times story, it says that he coined the nickname the Amish Rifle. This is interesting. I could keep going down this wormhole if you want. I, I, I mean, honestly, the way this preseason has gone, I, you might as well, because it's the most interesting thing I've heard about this team. I, I wrote um, I wrote a, a quasi-season preview for City Paper in as much as, you know, City Paper's not really preview the NFL season here are your top fantasy draft picks kind of kind of outlet but but whatever I um I, I I tried and as I was sitting there trying to write the thing I was like man like I mean this team I feel like they're going to be okay um they might be a little better than okay and they might be a little worse uh they've got some players who, who might be pretty good or, or might kind of be uh okay um hmm and it was it was really like it, it's weird there's just the the excitement I feel for this season is basically around the fact that like there's nothing horrible happening, um, and they have some players who might be okay. It's, it's, it's such a weird, quiet, like stay medium type vibe around I'm this so, team I'm, right now. I'm, I'm, I'm so good with it. I mean, it's not like the team is particularly young. In fact, I think they're on the older side of the spectrum from a roster age standpoint. Uh, it's just that like they finished last year strong. The defense was very good should be as good if not better like should be who knows what happens um and the offense it's like not only did they upgrade with fitzpatrick but you know presumably upgraded with samuel and diami brown uh maybe a healthy you know second year antonio gibson and players like steven sims jr who were getting you know 60 70 touches two years ago are now not even on the practice squad anymore you know so like overall i just like the tide has risen and even when i just talked to like non Washington football team fans, they're like, hey, you guys aren't bad. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you guys, like it's like a respectable team 
and getting better. And maybe, you know, you could, if they kind of stay on that trajectory this year and like a 500 ish team, you can kind of look at it and say, they're a quarterback away. It, That's a better place than we've been in a long time. They certainly could be. I can't figure out because you're right. They are on the older end of the age spectrum. And I can't figure out quite why. Like, obviously, the quarterback is like 97, which skews things. Um, and I guess maybe I feel like Adam Humphreys has been around for a while. Charles Leno might be a little on the older side, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't figure out who the guys are who are pulling point. up the average. And, and, uh, and we got rid of Alex Smith and Ryan Kerrigan. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I guess Heineke's a little older than you think because he's, you know, I guess each of these guys is dragging the age up incrementally. But it just seems like at almost all the not just the skill positions, but like the defensive line, the, the all the notable positions there. It's, it's just this is interesting. Guess how old Logan Thomas is. He's like 30, right? Yeah. He's yeah. 30. Yeah. I, I had no idea. Yeah, he's he's low key been around forever he's trying lived to live a long NFL life. Yeah, he really has. Um, but he's exactly like I'm happy with him at tight end. I'm happy with Antonio Gibson and McKissick, even though I question the depth at running back. I'm happy with like McLaurin, Samuel, uh, Deami Brown at, at wide out. Like suddenly, you know, a year ago, it's like we had nothing at quarterback. I felt like all we had was McLaurin. Gibson was unproven. Like in a year's time, even though the offense, I feel like is just average now. I feel like it's way better than it was in 2020. The insane thing to me at quarterback is that for the first time in years, I feel like they can actually afford to lose two quarterbacks, which it seems like they do every year. So it's nice that now even the third guy is like, he's fine. I'm not, I'm not over estimating Kyle Allen, but he's, he's fine. You know, Can, can you verify that Allen is the third quarterback, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think he, I think he has to be. It's also interesting that both the top two guys, at least, and maybe Allen as well, are like kind of exciting, and will try to make plays and push the ball. It's like I feel like just forever, it's been well, Alex Smith. After I don't know, I was talking to an Eagles fan about picking up Gardner Minshew, and even though they have Flacco there to kind of cloud the picture, um, I was like, dude, I'd be so excited if I was you. Minshew is like the perfect backup quarterback. You know, he's he's fun and exciting and interesting. And, like, he's actually shown that he can be an NFL-caliber player. Uh, he's, like, the perfect backup quarterback. I feel the same way about Heineke. Like, I love having him as the backup quarterback. I don't yeah. want Fitz to – I don't want Fitz to suck. I don't want Fitz to get hurt. But I love that Heineke's there if needed. And he's easy to root for. And we've got this fondness for him because of the playoff performance from last year. Like, that's that's a really good backup quarterback. Yep, I, I agree 100%. Although I will say on the Eagles point specifically, I one of my sort of, I think, hot takes, I think it's against the conventionalism. I think Jalen Hurts is actually going to turn out to be really good, and I think the Eagles are going to surprise everybody in the division. That's sort of my uh, wild prediction. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to think about. The, I mean, we can, okay, so we can, we can transition here into like the NFC East and like maybe predicting records for the season before we wrap up. Oh, I have to break some news for you on that front. There are now 17 games, so try to do your math that way, just FYI. Okay, okay, so how many games – so so Washington has famously, in these quarters at least, not won 11 games in 30 years in a season. We have not won 11 games since 1991. How many games would the schedule need to be for us to win 11 games? I think it would need to be like 21 games. <laughs> I think, I think – uh... 
maybe like minimum, might be, minimum maybe 19 games. maybe 19 yeah. you're saying we could go 11 and 8 yeah that's, that's nuts i just think they're determined to lose between 7 and 9 games um the, like i just think that that's what they're going to do no matter what yeah. so yeah well I, well spoiler alert i i went through the 17 games on the schedule and i've got washington at 9 and 8 that's my that's my preseason prediction I did not go through it, but without even without even being specific, I, I think they're going to lose about eight games. So, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm with you. But I don't know what to think about, like, Dallas and Philly. I'm not very high on, on the Giants. When I went through this, just because I was trying to be, like, you know, conservative and not, you know, overly Kool-Aid drinking, I had them splitting with the NFC East to, you know, basically a win at home, a, a loss on the road across the the, uh, the six games um dallas is the one that scares me i feel like dallas is gonna have like one of those dallas seasons where they're like 12 and 4 or 13 and 3 and then they don't make it to the conference championship that's my preseason dallas vibe i yeah i can't oh i'm sorry 12 and 5 13 and 4 <laughs> I, I can't get a read on dallas because i'm just not sure what I, I don't know what to believe about Dak coming back from injury, but I like the, Dallas is one where some people are like, oh, when Dak got injured, they were scoring you know forty points a game, and and he was yeah. on pace for six thousand yards or whatever. And some people are like, yes, but they also were giving up forty five points per game and were you know one in three or one in two or whatever it was yeah. when he got injured. Um, yeah. I, so I just I don't know. You don't know what to think there. I just think it's going to be um, – here's my prediction is that the NFC East is going to be across the board better than everyone expects. It's not going to be the joke trash division this year. Um, and I think that actually because I think Hertz is going to be exciting in Philly and I think Philly is going to be pretty good, I think the NFC East games are going to be enjoyable games this year um, with the possible exception of Giants-Washington, which seems like it could just suck. Well, I, I don't have it in front of me, but what annoys me about the Giants is that Danny Jones is awful against everyone, every other NFL team, and he's like five and one or three and one against Washington with like ridiculous numbers. Counterpoint, a, yeah. The counterpoint is that it's a long game that that the Washington is playing like uh, what they're called six dimensional chess. Uh, so it, they, that's why Jones is still employed by the Giants. They keep him around. Uh, it's, we, we choose to sacrifice those two games every year uh, so that they lose the other 15 or whatever. That's, that's well, my, that's my theory. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the giants are going to be like uh shitty, but not like in the running for the first pick type of shitty. I feel like the Eagles will be like contending, but more like, you know, uh, sub 500 contending and Dallas is going to be good. That's my NFC's forecast. We'll be, we'll be, I think we'll finish second in the division. I, I like, I like where your head is at. It's amazing how you reach that conclusion while paying attention to virtually none of preseason. Whereas I've listened to like 75 hours of uh, JP and Mitch and Pete talking on, about Washington football, plus all those other people that I've already mentioned and, and uh, God, we're at the exact same place. God bless those guys. My whole Washington media diet this preseason has basically been like shit that I just happened to see on Twitter, like in my timeline 
And I listened to like the first half of the JP and team pod after each game. And that was it. That was my whole That's all you Yeah. That's all I you really like, need. You know what I noticed the other day? I was just like side sidebar is I'm a Washington Post subscriber and I go to the Post a lot, but I have not been to the Post sports section in like a while because I'm not like craving Washington football team preseason content. The Nats suck. The Caps and the Wizards are in the offseason. I just haven't like engaged with Washington Post sports in a bit. And that's that's kind of like the first time ever for me in my life that I've not done that. I'm interested to see what happens during the season, if it comes back or if it's just gone forever. It would be so sad. I know. Well, and Boz isn't there anymore. I mean, that yeah. was legitimately sad for me when Boz like, hung him up, so to speak. Really, Boz to me is the classic, like, I respect him. I have nothing bad to say about him, but I never really, like, he, he never spoke to me particularly. Um, well, I love he, baseball. Like, no, there you go. I, that, that... I grew up loving baseball. Like I was like reading his like very, you know, sepia toned baseball books. <laughs> yeah, the sepia toned was after he came into the modern age. That was before that they were just actually like carved into uh, cave walls. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> back back to the what did you call him earlier? The woofed. Sure. <laughs> uh, Washington plays New York week two. Uh, they start with the the chargers at home and then the giants at home they don't have another nfc east matchup until week 14 and then their last five games are dallas philly dallas philly new york yeah it's I mean, true i know we're we normally i think that's kind of usual to have like the divisional you know december is usually packed with divisional opponents but that's pretty wild like five in a row to end the season yeah, it's they've been trying to push that more over the last couple of years, but this is this is like some next level stuff. Um, I think, and I feel like this every year, but I'm going to say it again this year. I feel like those first two games are crucial, especially because they come within five days of each other. Because I think the second one is like a Thursday night game or something. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Um, I I think I didn't realize there were Thursday night games. I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> If we could just get this pandemic under control, we would just have Thursday, Sunday, and and Monday. But instead, who knows what we could have? Last year we had like Wednesday games. That's um, true. Yeah. I I really just I feel like if they get off to a slow start and they go into a long, you know, break after a Thursday game, zero and two, having lost to the friggin' Giants, I feel like it's going to be. Mm. You and I will be like, oh, whoops, we forgot to record a podcast. Who cares? I'll speak to you again in, you know, April after the draft. It's going to be real. Down. It's going to be a real downer. Well, if they start 0-2, they're going to have at Buffalo week three. So 0-3. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird to try to remember that Buffalo is now like a juggernaut team on the record on the schedule that well, you, know, you don't want to face. Looking, looking at the schedule through the first five games – at Buffalo was the only L that I gave Washington. I really? Gave a, I gave them a win at home against the Chargers, even though the Chargers are like minus one. Uh, you know, some of these, I mean, obviously it's like a coin flip, but I just, you know, went, went win with that one. Went win week two, hosting New York. Week four, I've got a W for them at Atlanta. And I'm hosting New Orleans. So I gave them those four wins with the loss at Buffalo. 
And there is that scenario too. So you've got the doomsday of like oh and three. That would suck. You could see it happening. But also on the other side, you know, four and one through the first five games is is there as well. Yeah, and then what will likely happen is they'll lose to the Chargers, they'll beat the Giants, um, mm-hmm. then they'll lose to the Bills, they'll be one and two, but we'll be like, <laughs> well, the two losses came against perfectly, you know, respectable teams and uh, young yeah. quarterbacks, and and then we'll trudge through, and that is how you wind up yet again in a nine and eight or eight and nine season. Yeah, I mean, the schedule's not that bad. I actually thought it was going to be worse being a division champ. You know, it helps that, like, Drew Brees isn't there in New Orleans anymore because we have like a New Orleans, KC, Green Bay trifecta three in a row. You know, with Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill in New Orleans and you're hosting that game, that kind of looks like a win. But yeah, KC and then at Green Bay back to back is a tough one. But overall, it's not that interesting or notable a schedule. It's just that the last five weeks are divisional games. Right. And a lot's going to come down to if those divisional games are against a, a fire Dak Prescott on fire and Jalen Hurts you know impressing mm-hmm. or if it's against you know Ben DiNucci and the rotting corpse of Joe Flacco like a big, big difference in those games yeah the Nooch uh, oh, so I've know. got him in nine I've got him in nine and eight are you going to make a call I'll go eight and nine just to be just to be uh, slightly different, but I, I, go I eleven and six. No, there's no chance. The most I can go is the, if you want me to give my positive prediction, it's ten and seven. Like I just I, I just think they're going to lose seven to nine games. I think they're going to lose seven to nine games every year for the rest of this planet's natural existence. Yeah, that feels right. And also, I mean, how can you how can you really get too bullish when it's the Ryan Fitzpatrick show? who's played for nine teams and played for 20 seasons. He's the Amish rifle for Christ's sakes. I don't think he's ever played in the playoffs. That, is that a true stat? I think it is. And I don't remember if he's never played in the playoffs or if he's just never won a game in the playoffs, but there is a statistic to that effect. Yes. So he's, he's our starter. It's, it's hard to be like, you know, there's one thing to be bullish and say, we're going to be nine and eight or we're going to be 500. And, you know, but it's really hard to go beyond that and say, we're going to win 10 plus games. That that's like you're you're getting a little too high on the Kool Aid. Yeah, and and you know what my fondest hope is is that those first five games go the way you predicted, and then we can all just go crazy and drink the Kool Aid and talk about breaking records and being better than the '91 team, and you know the, the, that would be amazing. That would be a great place to be. I just I can't even. I used to be more creative when I was younger. I used mm-hmm. to you know do creative writing and stuff. Maybe back then mm-hmm. I could have done it, but now I just I can't even craft the complicated fantasy world that it requires to imagine that happening for this football team imagine this imagine like a quantum leap of like ryan fitzpatrick back to the 91 team and like he's playing quarterback instead of mark ribbon does fitzpatrick have like an mvp season or i think was ribbon just i think (laughs) well no i think fitzpatrick's top end is actually pretty similar to mark ribbon like in his best years yeah. I think it's a pretty good comp, actually. I'd be, I'd be genuinely curious to see if you looked at those two last really good seasons for Fitzpatrick compared with Rippon's strongest seasons and see how they match up. I bet it's pretty close. I don't. Know. Oh, did you, you get, hear, speaking of which, if you, give you Fitzpatrick, Mahan, if you give Fitzpatrick the hogs and the posse, I'm just going to go on a limb and say he's going to do pretty well. I think you're probably correct about that. Did you hear who Martin Mayhew compared Jared Patterson to? 
Barry Sanders. No, although Barry Sanders keeps tweeting about Jared Patterson. Um, but uh, no, he endearing himself to like the aging uh, Washington radio host, the Andy Poland's of the world forever. He uh, compared Jared Patterson to Ricky Irvin's and Jamie Morris. Um, just is, it, is, dipping, that a, is that a compliment? I believe it was intended <laughs> as a compliment. Because <laughs> he's short. I know because Mayhew, Mayhew those played with those guys. Guy, but I don't think Irvin's or Morris like ever produced. Um, I, like you have to look at the stats, but I'm pretty sure that those were, those are guys I think of fondly. But I don't know that they were ever like productive running backs. Are you looking um, at some? Please tell me you are. No, I'm just picturing Ricky Morris in uh, Ricky, Ricky Morris. Excuse me, and putting them together into one guy. Ricky Irvin's in my head at the. Uh, at the game against the Falcons in the mud at RFK. Um, so I, I definitely uh, had Ricky Irvin's and Jamie Morris rookie cards. Um, oh yes. So, I mean, just right there, I'm, I'm smiling, you know, uh, Ricky Irvin's five foot seven. Uh, so that checks out third rounder. He never had more than 680 yards in a season. His rookie year was decent, like, you know, 4.7 yards per carry, but yeah, I mean, for his career, it was below four, and he never had a 700-yard season even. Um, Jamie Morris was no Joe Morris, I'll tell you that. Joe Morris Although, was the Morris brother who actually had a really good career. Were they actually related? I, I, I was never quite sure of that as I'm a child. Almost posi- I'm almost Yes, his brother is Joe Morris. So okay, Jamie good. Morris, five foot seven, fourth rounder. He uh, – oh, wow, this is rough. Yes, Jamie Morris – he played parts of three years. His yards per attempt, uh, 3.1. I just like Never to imagine 400 yards. I just like to imagine that JD McKissick was sitting there, like just waiting for the inevitable Kelvin Bryant comparison and was devastated when it didn't come. Uh, I was waiting for like an Ernest Biner, you know, Ooh, like Biner yeah, was sure. good. Like, you know, Biner was good, yeah, 91 team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last thing before we go. Um, do you have any thoughts on on the name? It's rumored to be down to a final list of three, right? Like Washington football team or club, Red Wolves, and was it Commanders? Yeah, that, that was what that was what the report was. And then there was another report that like or or rumor that like those were all fake outs, and that the real possible name wasn't even being mentioned. Um, Kevin Sheehan keeps claiming to have firm knowledge that it's not going to be Washington football team or Washington football club or football club, Washington, or anything of that nature, um, that it's going to be a more traditionally football-y name. I keep hearing people mention the Sentinels, um, which I believe was also the name of the team and the replacements. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have any thoughts on it because to me, this is, this is the ultimate example of a, story that will resolve exactly when the information comes out and not one minute before, you know, like, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, it's it, there's no, there's no investigative reporting to be done on this really. Either we find out the name or we don't. And that's, that's to me, it's, I don't know. What do, what do you want it to be? What's your top choice? Football team. I've become what increasingly you- comfortable with football team. And like I, comfort is better than like cringe in my, in my point of view. Like, I think that, I think that's a good point. 
and like maybe people are cringing at football team, whatever. It didn't really bother me. But uh, like Sentinels, I hadn't I hadn't even heard of that one. I don't know. Maybe I'll warm up to it. But give me football team. Commanders, yeah, I'd rather football team. I Red um, Wolves, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm actually fine with all of them. I, I what this whole experience has done is it's made me increasingly jealous of the Ravens because I've suddenly realized not realized, so not suddenly and not realized, but it really makes you think about how what a good team name that is, especially sort of coming out of nowhere with no historical uh, you know, there was no it's not like the the Cleveland Spiders or or the Homestead Grays or whatever. It's not it's not a historical area team name, but yeah. it's so perfect on so many levels. Uh, and then it doesn't hurt that you go and win a Super Bowl in your whatever second or third year of existence as a franchise. Yeah. Um, so it makes it even better. But yeah, it's it. I, I wish I could think of something like that for DC, but I can't. Well, what gives me comfort is like when the when the Nats became the Nationals or when Washington, whatever, became the Nationals. I just thought that was so, like, average or mediocre or, like, uninteresting, uninspiring, like, the Nationals. And now it, it couldn't be anything else. Like, the Nats, it, it just, I, I am fond of calling them the Nats and referring to the Nats. I don't think of it twice. And, like, so whatever it is, I'm sure we'll come around to it. But I guess the flip side of that is the Wizards. <laughs> nobody ever likes referring yeah. to Wiz. yeah no but i think that's a, i think that if the wizards ever became good maybe it would be different i don't know i, yeah. I for me i think the key that you put from what you say about the Nats is that it needs to shorten like the problem yeah. like the red wolves is fine because yeah. you can do wolves but if they just they keep saying they might just name them the wolves and not have the red in there and uh -huh. like you can't what, what are they then just yeah. the woo, well woo, nobody, woo. nobody shortens the ravens to anything that's a good point. Yeah, the wolves is fine, but yeah, I think the shortening is the, that that is that is key. Like caps, nats, skins, and the yeah. day. Uh, those that was all good. Wiz, whatever doesn't doesn't quite work out. Other than like in a like in you know uh, like a it's like a negative connotation connotation. Like yeah, yeah. Something something with the whiz is going to be bad. Okay, well, I don't know. Washington football team, man. I I'm pretty comfortable in that. I'm fine with them riding it for another year at least. Yeah, I'm fine with it for one more year. One last thing, though, is are you watching any of the Marvel stuff or, or was WandaVision it for you and out? Well, actually, you know, this is big news in our relationship. I am I am on the Marvel Cinematic Universe journey with my son. We've made what? it. We're watching chronologically and we're up through, uh, what are we through? The first Thor. Well, how, how are you and I not podcasting about that? We should be, every time you watch one of these, we should get on a podcast and you should just try to tell me uh, something. I don't know. Are you enjoying it? I'm fascinated my, by my, this. My, big, my, big, my biggest take so far is that I like the movies that like take place on earth in like a modern reality that I can recognize. And I don't like the movies that are taking place on like some imaginary planet that with like mystical shit happening all over the place. So like the so Iron Man that movies, I like the first Captain America. I like like the Thor and Captain Marvel stuff. I'm like, what? Well, I will tell you that that I don't know if it's because of the Earthbound setting uh, versus not or not, but I would agree with in broad strokes. I would agree with your assessment yeah. on all of those. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's it, where I'm at. It's taken us a while because like 
for me and my son to find like a two hour block to consume Marvel content where like my wife and other two children aren't around. Uh, that's rare. Well, I think, I think it's nice that you guys, you guys have that out. We do need in all seriousness, assuming we continue to pod through the season about the football team, uh, we will now need to make sure we leave a chunk of time for your Marvel update each week. That that's, I mean, that's huge news. <laughs> it's a big deal. Huge. Yeah. Our listeners are, just just waiting i uh, can't well, can't wait for the marvel content i'm quite sure they can't and and it's a good thing we're out of time otherwise i'd be talking about my rewatch of the lost finale for the next 20 minutes and nobody needs that i can't even remember the lost finale i might need to rewatch that myself it turns out they were lost in the end sorry man <laughs> well we'll be back after washington la week 1 i guess that's happening uh next sunday so yeah maybe next monday like a week and a half from now Until yeah then. that sounds that sounds good enjoy being whatever age you are now and i'll talk to you i soon. will and you enjoy being the age you are everybody out there enjoy being your ages what a great way to look at it see ya bye